please be aware that the comments, views, opinions shared on this podcast are not meant to diagnose a medical problem and or legal problem. If you do have a medical problem or legal problem, kindly contact a professional. Welcome to An Apple A Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple A Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. An Apple A Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. FamousApple.com is the home site for this podcast. You get a minute, go over there, check us out. How you doing today, my friends? You feeling good? Feeling strong? I'm glad. I hope you're feeling better than you did last week. Hey, I just want to remind you, your medications, the medications you're taking from your doctor, always, always, always make sure that you are up to date with your medications. Don't let your medications run out. That could be really dangerous. I'm telling you, some medications you have to be weaned off of. If you just stop a medication abruptly, you can get very sick. Your condition can get a hundred times worse or you can die. I'm not saying that for dramatics. I'm serious. You could die by just dropping a medication. So you should always make sure that you're ordering your medication. When you're down when you're down to seven pills left in your bottle, you renew your prescription. Always make sure of that because you don't want to be left without it. And your therapist, you still going to physical therapy? You still doing all the exercises that they tell you to do? Good. I know, you know, I'm out of physical therapy now for years. I mean years. <laughs> And still to this day, every morning I wake up, I still do the exercises that they were giving me. Even for my residual limb, you know, they gave me exercises when I was in rehab. And I still do them every day. I don't know if I'm doing anything to help, but I know it's not doing anything to hurt. And it's just, it became a regular ritual for me. It became a habit. And I, I do feel good when I do it. It feels like I'm being proactive. So if they gave you exercises, make sure you're still doing them. Unless they told you specifically to stop. You know what I mean? Anyhow, we got a good one here today for you. I got a report from the Inspector General who's warning about caller ID spoofing of Social Security fraud hotline phone numbers. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty important one. And I also got a study here about fast food. Now, have you ever noticed sometimes your friends come over and they come over during the day? Like, I have a couple of friends. <laughs> they'll come over during the day and they'll stop by McDonald's. And they'll say, oh, I brought in lunch. And me... I am a sucker for chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets and honey mustard. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. That's enough to make a fat man sin as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I love my chicken nuggets. But what happens when you eat fast food? Well, I got a study about that from Medical News Today. And we have another study to help with your painkillers. Yes, that's right. Music may enhance the effect of your pain relievers. So that's an interesting study. I've read through that, and I find that very truthful. I know when when I'm in pain, when I have pain, I like to put on my headphones and just sit in my recliner and listen to the music, and it can help tremendously. It can calm me down, and for a brief moment there, I may forget about it all. So it's an inter interesting report, so we're going to go over that also. But let's get started here. 
Okay, I got a report here from Andrew Canarsa. Uh, he's the OIG Communications Director. And the title of the report is Inspector General Warns Public About Caller ID Spoofing of Social Security Fraud Hotline Phone Number. And it reads, The Inspector General of Social Security, Gail S. Enos, is warning citizens about a caller ID spoofing scheme misusing the Social Security Administration, or SSA, Office of the Inspector General, OIG, fraud hotline phone number. The OIG has received recent reports of phone calls displaying the fraud hotline phone number on caller ID screens. This is a scam. OIG employees do not place outgoing calls from the fraud hotline 800 number. Citizens should not engage these calls or provide personal information. SSA and OIG employees do contact citizens by telephone for official purposes, and they may request citizens confirm personal information over the phone. However, the calls do not appear on caller ID as fraud hotline number 800-269-0271. That's, again, 800-269-0271. Also, SSA and OIG employees will never, I repeat, never threaten you for information or promise any type of official action in exchange for personal information or payment. In those cases, the call is fraudulent and you should just hang up. If you receive suspicious calls from someone alleging to be from the SSA or OIG, you should report the information to the OIG online at oig.ssa.gov forward slash report. Again, that's oig.ssa.gov forward slash report or by calling 800 269 0271. Again, that's 800 269 0271, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also report these scams to the Federal Trade Commission through a new site specific to Social Security scams. That site is identitytheft.gov forward slash SSA. That's identitytheft.gov forward slash SSA. SA. I tell you, it's a good practice to always look at your caller ID before you pick up the phone. Just recently, <laughs> I received a phone call and it said it was from me. <laughs> it had my name and my phone number on the caller ID and it was someone calling me up to tell me that I owed them money, which I didn't owe. So go figure. But it's always a good idea just to look at the caller ID before you pick it up so you know who you're talking to. And never, ever, ever give out your information over the phone to someone that you don't know. As a matter of fact, what I always do is I ask them for a phone number. If it's someone, Even if it's someone I know, like an organization that I know, I'll ask them, can I have a phone number where I can call you back? This way I cover myself. I don't give out information to anyone over the phone when they call me. That's just me though. All right? So be careful with that. Let's move on. All right. We all know that one person that'll tell us they've never eaten fast food in their life. Not that I don't believe them. I just find it hard to believe. They're like, that's like the people that say, I don't have a TV in my house. We don't watch TV. We read. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm sure. Anyhow, it doesn't make them bad people. I just don't believe them. <laughs> 
But anyhow, I got a report here from Medical News Today, and the title of the report is, What Happens When You Eat Fast Food? Uh, the term fast food generally refers to food that people intend to consume quickly, either on or off-site. There is plenty of well-researched evidence demonstrating the various negative health effects of eating and overeating fast food in both the short and long term. Many fast food establishments now list the number of calories each of their items contain. However, this is only part of the consideration of whether it is healthful or not. Fast food is typically very poor in terms of nutrition. According to a study paper in the Journal of Health Promotion Perspectives, fast food tends to contain various substances that are generally unhealthful. It is high in sugar, salt, and saturated or trans fats, as well as many processed preservatives and ingredients. It is also low in beneficial nutrients. Not all fast food is bad, and a person can make an informed choice by doing some research to find out the nutritional content of a particular fast food item. These are available on the websites of most major restaurants. However, even the more healthful fast food items are generally high in sugar, salt, saturated fats, and trans fats. The Office of Disease Prevention and Health Promotion note the typical person in the United States consumes too much of these. The short-term impact of fast food. Because fast food is typically high in sugar, salt, and saturated or trans fats, looking at the short-term effects of these nutrients can help determine what happens in the short term when a person eats fast food. The results of, small, of a small study in the Journal of Nutrition Research and Practice suggests that eating foods with more sugar as the first meal of the day can make a person feel hungrier at the next meal than if they ate a low-sugar meal. Doctors, dietitians, and other health experts believe that this is because sugary foods are worse at providing a sense of fullness. Also, high-carbohydrate foods increase the body's demand for insulin, which also promotes more hunger within a shorter amount of time after the meal. Experts believe that the more hungry a person is before their next meal, the more likely they are to eat more calories than are actually necessary. A small study in the Journal of Hypertension found that consuming high levels of salt can have an immediate impact on the proper functioning of a person's blood vessels. Excess sodium intake also links to fluid retention. Fast food is also often very low in fresh fruit and vegetables, which makes it hard for the people to reach their recommended daily intake of at least five servings. It may also be hard for them to reach their ideal fiber intake, which is at least 25 grams per day. Fast food is highly palatable, meaning that it is very quickly broken down in the mouth, does not require much chewing, and activates the reward centers in the brain rapidly. The combination trains the palate to prefer these highly processed, highly stimulating foods, this reduces someone's desire for whole fresh foods. Research in 2018 and other previous studies have suggested a link between fast food consumption and the incidence of food addiction for these low nutrient items. The long-term impact of eating fast food. There's plenty of well-researched evidence showing that regularly eating fast food can harm a person's health. This is because most fast food is high in sugar, salt, saturated and trans fats, processed ingredients and calories, and low in, low in antioxidants, fiber, and many other nutrients. 
Many fast food meals are low in fiber. A low fiber diet is associated with a higher risk of digestive conditions such as constipation and diverticular disease as well as reductions in healthy gut bacteria. A study in the journal Health Promotion Perspectives identifies that sometimes irreparable effects of eating fast food on a person's health. Such risks include obesity, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, and various cardiovascular conditions. A study in the Nutrition Journal focuses on the effects of a Western diet on the person's immune system. This is a diet that consists of high amounts of sugar, salt, and saturated fats from only a few sources. The study paper claims that a Western diet can lead to higher inflammation, lower control of infection, higher cancer rates, and high risk of allergic and auto-inflammatory diseases. A study in the journal Thorax establishes a link between fast food consumption and teenagers and obesity. Well, now look at this. This is great information, but does it mean if you ate a Big Mac tonight, you're going to blow up? Does it mean if I eat my chicken nuggets tonight, I'm going to just drop dead? No, of course not. What it's telling you is that a regular diet of fast food is no good for you. But that, that's also true of other things. Like a regular diet of cake and candy would be no good for you. The same as this. So everything is in moderation. Like, yes, you can still go out and have a, have a Big Mac if you want. You can go out and have a Whopper or a filet of fish or whatever. It just don't make a habit of it. When I was able to eat bread, I used to love... Egg McMuffins, Mm-mm-mm. good stuff. But even I know, even I knew then, I should say, that it wasn't good to eat them every day. First of all, eggs every day aren't good for you. And bread every day isn't for, for a fat guy isn't good for you. But it doesn't mean that you can't have them. You can, but just not breakfast, lunch, and dinner, not seven days a week either. So don't, don't think that you have to build a cross and hold it up at the window as you drive by a fast food restaurant. You don't. Just use your willpower and skip it a couple of days. But it, there's no harm in stopping for lunch. I mean, fast food does play an important role. If you're, if you're busy and you're, you're trying to make the, a meeting or a doctor's appointment, you have to eat something in between. Fast food restaurant can come in handy. But to make it a regular diet, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's no good for you. It's not healthy. Nothing on a regular basis like that. Like I said, cake, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, definitely no good for you. So just keep it in mind. I just thought it was interesting to, to share with you. All right, let's get going here. Our next study is Music May Enhance the Effect of Pain Relievers. I believe that's true. I read this study, and I I live by this study, actually. But it's a good good study from Medical News Today. And also, I do want to talk to you about another, as I call it, bullshit disease (laughs) that they've come up with. And it's been in the news a little bit here and there. So I do want to talk to you about that. But you know what? Before we get into this, let's take a quick break here, okay? We'll be back in 30 seconds. A mere shake of a lamb's tail, if you will. An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. And there you're going to find connections to our Facebook page, our Twitter page. You're going to find 
connections to our private chat board, our private chat rooms. You're also going to find that we're sponsored now by As Seen on TV, and there's a lot of products displayed on the page for you to check out. So you get a minute, go over there, check out www.famousapple.com. Tell your friends about us, but don't go until we finish the conversation. Let's get back to it. And we're back. I know you missed me. Go ahead. Tell me you missed me. I missed you. <laughs> Anyhow, this next study from Medical News Today, it's titled, Music May Enhance the Effect of Pain Relievers. It says, Bob Marley once said, one good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. A recent study using a mouse model backs up Marley's musing with some scientific data. In the past, scientists have explored the idea of using music as a therapy in a variety of ways. One study revealed that joining a choir might improve the lives of people with Parkinson's disease, for instance. Other studies have investigated music as a potential treatment for epilepsy. Others still concluded that music in the right setting can reduce the sensation of pain. For instance, one recent meta-analysis of 14 studies concludes that that music may be beneficial as an adjuvant for chronic pain patients as it reduces self-reported pain and its common comorbidities. With the opioid crisis in full flow, finding ways to enhance effectiveness of less addictive pain medication without producing side effects would be game-changing. A new study reopens the investigation and retests the power of music in combination with four different medications against two models of pain in mice. The researchers from the University of Utah Health in Salt Lake City have published their findings in the Journal of Frontiers in Neurology. Music versus Pain The researchers used two pain models, the Carrageen model, which mimics inflammation-related pain, and the plantar incision, which replicates surgical pain. They split the mice into two groups of five to eight animals. They exposed the control group to only ambient noise, while they played the experimental group three-hour segments of Mozart each day for three weeks. Interestingly, the researchers did not choose the segments of music at random. Music is like DNA. We had musicians analyze sequences at several Mozart pieces to optimize the playlist. This was exciting but challenging to integrate these musical analysis into neuropharmacology. They ran the study four times, each time using a different drug that can reduce pain. The ibuprofen trials produced the most striking results. In the group that listened to music, pain responses in the Carrageenan model dropped 93% compared with the mice that took ibuprofen but did not listen to music. There is emerging evidence that music interventions can alleviate pain when administered either alone or in combination with other therapies. I was particularly interested to see the reduced swelling in the inflammation pain model, said first study author Cameron Metcalf, PhD. Surprises and next steps. Using animal models comes with certain difficulties, but in this case, the scientist's use of mouse models makes it more interesting. It removes the complex human psychological responses to music. One is almost tempted to believe that the harmony has an intrinsic healing quality. Although it may seem surprising that a rodent might physiologically respond to music, this is not the first time that scientists have demonstrated this. The research into mice and music has a long pedigree. For instance, the authors of a review of 42 relevant 
relevant studies published in December 2018 found that music interventions seem to improve the brain structure and neurochemistry behavior, immunology, and physiology of rodents. Among other things, the authors write that music exposure was linked with statistically significant improved spatial and auditory learning, reduced anxiety-related behavior, and increased immune responses. The holy grail is to combine the right drug with this new paradigm of music exposure, so we do not need as much drugs for analgesic effects. How does music exert its effect? The scientists did not design this study to unpick how music might reduce pain, but they do outline some theories. For instance, earlier research demonstrated that music upregulates the production of brain-derived neurotropic factor, or BDNF. This protein supports neurons and encourages the growth of neurons and synapses. In the long term, BDNF inhibits pain sensitivity. Other theories that the study authors consider are music's ability to impact parasympathetic tone, cortisol levels, pro-inflammatory cytokines, dopaminergic system, and opioid receptors. It will take a great deal more work to tease apart the mechanisms involved, and the answer is likely to involve all of the above and more. So what does all this mean, right? I don't know. All I know is that when I'm hurting, when I have a bad headache, when I'm having phantom pain in my leg, I listen to music. I put on my headphones, I listen to music, and it makes the pain, if not go away completely, it makes it subside. I even I even notice now when you go for an MRI that they play music when you're going into the MRI machine because it relaxes you. It takes that edge off if you're claustrophobic. So there's something to it. Music has charms to soothe the sa savage beast, as they used to say. And in our case, the savage beast is the pain. So if it, if it can soothe it, for me, if it can soothe it and I don't have to take any more pills, I'm all for it. I find music very relaxing. When I'm aggravated, I find it relaxing. And any kind of music, I can listen to anything. I prefer to listen to rock and roll, but I can listen to anything and anything will relax me. I mean, and I do mean anything from Bobby Vinton to Guns N' Roses, from Led Zeppelin to Taylor Swift. I mean, I can listen to anything and music just relaxes me. Try it. Next time you're in pain, next time you have a pain, next time you have a headache, try putting on your headphones sitting down relaxing or going into a room by yourself lay down close your eyes put on some music and see what it does for you i i believe music there's something about music that can calm us down and it can just ease the pain it's worth a try right all right let's move on here Yeah, so we go out to dinner with this woman and her kid, and she's a friend, she's an acquaintance, put it that way, an acquaintance, I wouldn't even say a friend, she's an acquaintance from way back when. Anyhow, we're out, and freshly divorced, she's been divorced about two years, and seems that there's a problem with this charming daughter of hers, the daughter goes to visit the father, the father's got his paycheck. He cashed his paycheck, left the money on the on his dresser. He went into the shower. The daughter goes in. She lifts $200 off the father. The father finds out, calls the mother, says, look, you know, she took $200 from me. I need the money. I already paid the child support. And the mother's, the mother's got an attitude about it saying, well, you know, she has a problem. She has a problem. Yeah, she has a problem. She's a thief. No, 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 no. She, she, she suffers from kleptomania. 
What? I haven't heard the word kleptomania since the last time I watched an Abbott and Costello movie. Kleptomania? This kid's a thief. But it gets better than this. She goes on to tell me that they live in Maryland and they were they were here in New York visiting. And they have to be back in May because the daughter has to go to court. Now, this daughter is not a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old. This daughter is 16. She got arrested for stealing clothes from a department store. She was going into the department store, taking clothes into the dressing room to try to try them on, and putting her clothes back on over them. <laughs> and the mother's trying to tell us, well, this is kleptomania. This isn't kleptomania. This is premeditated robbery. Well, she needs help. Yeah, she has to go to jail. She needs help. Well, no, she she needs help. She has to see a doctor. I'm trying to get her in to see a doctor. See a doctor for what? This girl is breaking the law. This isn't kleptomania. She didn't just see something, grab it, and put it in her pocket. And I don't even believe, I don't believe kleptomania is a disease. I believe kleptomania is someone thinks that they're entitled to something for free. This is like, kleptomania falls into that, that package that I hate. Like, I'm an alcoholic. I'm addicted to video games. I'm addicted to drugs. These are all self-inflicted nonsense. No, but it did, you're, you're not, it's not a disease. These are things you did to yourself. This is bad behavior. This is antisocial behavior. You want to go see a doctor? Go see, go see a psychiatrist. You need a psychiatrist. I said this to the mother. The mother got, got oh, she got all upset. She doesn't, she doesn't have to go see a psychiatrist. Well, what do you think she needs to see? A heart specialist? She needs to see a psychiatrist. This kid's out robbing stores. What's next? You're going to arm robbery? You're going to have a rob cabs as they go by? Come on. This isn't a disease. This is antisocial behavior. Oh, she's all worried because, oh, my poor baby may go to jail. That's where she belongs. When she went into the store, the prime purpose of going into the store was to take these clothes off the rack, put them on, put her clothes on over them, and try to get out without, without getting caught. Her and her friends, they were doing it. She told you they were doing it. And you're going to say, oh, that poor baby is sick. She's not sick. She's a thief. I am so sick and tired of people saying every antisocial behavior is some sort of disease, some sort of disability, if you will. Let her stay home. Let her get her head together. Yeah, so they'll take the resources for people who are actually disabled and use it on these self-inflicted, self-entitled morons, and the people that actually need the resources get pushed to the curb. I have no tolerance for it. Kleptomania. Kleptomania, my ass. I'm telling you, my friends, we have to, we, <laughs> we can't fall into this. We can't let them do this. Between this one stealing clothes, the other one who spends their day playing a video game and that, oh, they're disabled because they play video games all day. What, are you crazy? And then their friends come over and they're disabled too because he's an alcoholic and she's a drug addict. What? And let's give them all social security disability because they can't work. Of course they can't work. They're stoned and that guy's lazy playing video games and this one is going to jail. That's not a disability. It's antisocial behavior. I have no tolerance for it. None whatsoever. Look, the only way that we can actually fight this is to vote the right people into office. That's all. We have to get involved and make sure that we do vote. We can't have them th just throwing our resources away because what'll happen, they'll come back to us in another year or two and say, well, Social Security is going broke. Why? Because they're throwing it away? Because Congress is borrowing the money again? We can't have it. 
We just can't have it. All right. Listen, thank you very much for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that you come by each and every week. We'll probably have a apple fritter next week, so I'll be talking to you the early part of next week. And remember, always remember, things can always be worse. No matter what, there's somebody right now that wants to be where you're at. So remember, things can always be worse. Hey, if you want to get a hold of me, you can write me at jimmy at famousapple.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y at famousapple.com. Or you can write admin, A-D-M-I-N at famousapple.com. I'd like to hear from you. Leave us a comment in the comment box. Let us know what you think. Give us a rating on the podcast. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Have a great, great weekend. Take care of yourselves. Do what you're supposed to do. Feel better, and I'll see you then. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. My name is Jimmy Apple. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.